Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Didn't Gwendy do a fantastic job? And how long to go, Gwendy, Matt and Gwendy? How long to go? Eight weeks to go until baby Lafarve. Did I say that correctly? Close? How, how close? <laughs> Just one valve off. It's a, uh, their last name is a work in progress. Uh, so we're going to be very delighted to have our first native City Lights baby, first generation uh, City Lights baby. So it's so great for you guys to, uh, to all be here today. As Gwendy said, my name's Andrew and I have the privilege of um, pastoring this church and my beautiful wife, Rebecca, if you haven't had a chance to meet her, she is at the front and she's amazing. She is not the kind of person that likes the spotlight and so when I say how much I love her publicly. Um, she, uh, she loves that. <laughs> she loves that. But I do it anyway because it's important. It's important. Uh, a little bit about myself. So I, uh, I'm a pastor's kid and a missionary kid. My dad is uh, usually here. Um, he's just undergoing chemo. He's had a really good report. Um, the first round of treatment, he didn't have any side effects. Um, but uh, he's just laying low this week. And my mum is out um, with our kids team. And uh, so I grew up as a missionary kid and a pastor's kid. Any other pastor's kids in the house? There's a few, few hands. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. And uh, moved around a bit. And we were in Thailand from when I was about nine years old to 15 years old. And we came back to Australia to uh, some of the outer suburbs of Sydney. And my dad got a job uh, working in a church there as a pastor. And so I went to high school and I can remember I enjoyed my year 11 and 12 days at high school. I think I was about, when I was about 16, 17, one of the things that kind of defined when I was 17 was food. Like I was just all about food. And so a um, bit of my routine, I'm not endorsing this as a great diet. I'm not saying this is the ideal diet, but so basically I'd get up I'd have, um, I'd have my breakfast, whatever that was. Then at church, I would, at church, at school, I would have a chicken burger and a bottle of red soft drink and a packet of orange Tic Tacs, okay? I'm not saying it's good, I'm just saying it's true, okay? And so that's what I would have. When I would get home, I would have mum, for whatever reason, she had frozen meat pies, so I'd have two meat pies when I got home at about three o'clock to get me through. And then I would have dinner. Now, on Monday nights, which was one of my favorite nights, I had tutoring. And so I would uh, drive to my tutoring. And afterwards, one of my best friends at school, he lived around the corner and he was South African. And so I would go to his house and his mum always had like a giant pot of curry or something on the stove. So I would go and I would have my second dinner at his house. And so that was my Monday routine and that was awesome. I loved doing that. One of the things that I loved about that is that I would just go and hang out at my friend's house. 
And, you know, at the time, you don't always realize the significance of what's going on. But, like, I would just kind of, like, knock on the door. I wouldn't necessarily tell them I was coming. We didn't have mobile phones then. Or if you did, it was like a big car phone. You're like, hello. And that was really cool. Uh, but I didn't have one of those. And so I, I'd go over to his house and they were always happy to see me. And I would come in, I would sit down, they'd say, what do you want to eat? And they would serve me food. They were so warm and so hospitable. And it was just a brilliant picture of what we've been talking about, of being included in their family and belonging. And this is what we've been talking about as a church. We've been talking about the family table. We've been talking about... Um, creating spaces where people can belong. So belonging and family. And this is really, really important to us. And so for you to understand uh, what's going on in this church and where we're going as a church, understanding the family table is a picture that can really help you understand our heart. Now, what's it different to? It's different to fine dining. In fine dining, you've got customers and you've got staff. And the family table is different because everyone contributes and everyone enjoys. So you're welcome in. Come, join in. You might bring something to share. We sit down, we have a laugh. Afterwards, we grab a tea towel, we all clean up. And it's really, really uh, cool. The other thing that it's different to is drive-through. So drive-through is convenient and contactless. And that is not our church. We are not a convenient, contactless church. We're a destination, a place that you want to go because there's life, there's fun, and there's joy. Now, the other reason that we're not fine dining and we're not a drive-through is because none of those places, in my experience, are places where you can belong. Who's ever walked into a fine dining? Like occasionally, my wife and I will go out for uh, a, uh, a date. We call it binge dating. We don't do it very often, um, but when we do, we try and do it nicely. And so we might go to a nice restaurant, but I, I walk in there, I enjoy the experience, but I never feel like, oh, wow, I belong at that fine dining restaurant. It's, it's a nice one-off. When I'm driving through McDonald's, which is not that often, thank God, being delivered, but um, not McDonald's has been delivered. I've been delivered. Anyway, that was, that was funny. I'm quite funny. Um, no one says that to me publicly, but I know deep down. Uh, but you don't kind of go, oh, wow, I really feel a sense of belonging here in this McDonald's drive through That's not what happens. And so the family table is a place where everyone contributes and everyone enjoys. And the family table is a place to belong. Now, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul talked about belonging a lot. He talked about it being part of God's plan. And he says God, he uses a lot of metaphors. One of them is families like God has invited us into his family. We have been adopted into his family. And so um, he, he talks about it a lot. And so some of the metaphors that he uses are around family, are around being built together as a building. And he uses this one around being a, a body, a body, a healthy body. In a healthy body, there is both a great sense of connectedness there's different parts doing different things. But fundamental to that is that a healthy body, in a healthy body, everything belongs together. 
and a healthy body is something that you know you navigate through life and i think it's a good picture of like you enjoy life but also there are things going on there are functions going on and so here in romans chapter 12 verse 4 it says just this is the apostle paul talking just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function so it is with christ's body that's us we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now, it's really interesting that one of the things Paul talked about belonging a lot in a sense of like a spiritual sense. He used a lot of metaphors. He talked about even God's plan is for us to all join together and be united together in harmony and in perfect love. But the other thing that Paul did is he called out different barriers. He said, here are some things that will stop you belonging. And this is really important to us because we are building a culture. We are building a space. We are building places where people can belong. And so this next slide here, this is what Paul says in the verse before. He says, because of the privilege and authority God's given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. And so as I was kind of reading and preparing and looking at this concept of belonging, I was actually surprised a little bit by this passage. I'd never noticed this. And if I was to ask you, what is the opposite of belonging? Then you would probably say being unrelated, unconnected, being excluded, being uninvolved, you might say being independent. You may not have thought of that. I didn't think of that first. And so you would have kind of these things. But actually what Paul is saying is that the opposite to belonging is actually, he goes a little bit deeper into the cause. And the opposite of belonging is actually thinking you are better than you really are. Having a distorted view of yourself and Tim Keller on this next slide uh, it's he highlights it as spiritual pride Tim Keller an author and preacher and he calls it this spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives achieve our own sense of self-worth and find purpose big enough to give us meaning without God now, as I was preparing, this is somewhere that I landed that I never expected to land. Not certainly didn't intend to talk about pride for a couple of other reasons. The other thing is that we don't necessarily think that we're proud. Like, I, I wouldn't think I'm proud. I'm actually offended that we're talking about pride. How dare you? How dare you say that we, there's a chance that we could be proud? But anyway, you guys treat it as a hypothetical. I'll own it. But let's talk hypothetically about spiritual pride and pride. It's the illusion that we're competent to do life by ourselves. We can make it by ourselves. We've got enough strength. We've got enough power. We've got enough energy. We've got enough resources. But it's an illusion. Next slide here. And again, I love this definition. Pride is the pleasure of being more than the next person. And let me explain this a little bit. 
So spiritual pride is the enemy of belonging. So our desire, our hope is to create a place where people will belong. That's where we're going. That's, that's our church. I think it's a very unique environment in our world to have a place where people can genuinely belong, no matter who they are, no matter what their background, no matter what they have done or haven't done. And the enemy of this is spiritual pride. The other thing about spiritual pride is it's never fully satisfied. So if your spiritual pride will trick you into thinking that it's all about comparison with other people. So you will relentlessly be comparing yourself with other people. You do this in all kinds of different ways. You meet someone, you're trying to get a sense of them, you look at what they're wearing, you look at what kind of car they're driving, you talk about what they do during the week. And this is all our mind trying to calibrate ourselves compared to the person that we're meeting. Can you see how that's the enemy of belonging? Because belonging says, come as you are. Spiritual pride says, I'm not quite sure. Let me get a little bit more information. Let me kind of work this out. Let me kind of figure this out. And it always concludes that either you're not good enough or you're better than others. So the, the answer is always exclusion, but not necessarily because you say, well, I'm better than you. Sometimes that happened and I'll exclude you. But a lot of the time you come to a place and then you, you conclude yourself that you're not good enough. And so you exclude yourself because of this information, because you're comparing, because you're thinking, am I more than this person? Am I less than this person? Or where do I sit? Because we're trained to think about that. And it never concludes that you are accepted and you belong. And that's why we need to talk about it because what we're creating is something very different. Here's a couple of questions. When you see someone succeed or get an opportunity to do something, what's your first response? Is your first response, why didn't I get an opportunity to do that? How come they succeeded? How come I didn't? I know as I'm preparing this, I'm like guilty, guilty. When you meet someone, do you form a view of them based upon what they're wearing? Upon what kind of car they drive? Upon what they do for a living? Do you say, if only I had what they had? Gosh, Brock's got great hair. If only I had hair like Brock, then I'd be set for life. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That, that was a bald statement, brother. <laughs> I am funny. I am funny. There's one person towards... That's what we're working up to. If only I could sing like Sally. If only I knew as much of the Bible as uh, Matt and Chris. Man, then I'd be set. And so we, we're always saying, if only, if only. If only I was like them. And there's something that's going wrong that is stopping us from being accepted and belonging in the way that we're longing for. I believe that it is the need of every healthy human to belong and to be accepted the way they are. The other thing about spiritual pride is it's exhausting. 
relentlessly comparing yourself to others is really, really hard work. And so, you know, there's sometimes you go on social media and you come off after five minutes and you're like, I'm exhausted. I've got a list of all the things that I need to do and be. And you go shopping and you're not shopping to enjoy, but you're shopping to, with another intention in mind, to kind of recalibrate yourself. And your mind is exhausted. And it's not a good place because it's brought you to a place of exclusion and exhaustion. And these are the opposite things that God wants for you because he wants you to accept, be accepted and belong. So let's contrast this with spiritual belonging. And you're going to love this. Spiritual belonging is the recognition that we find our self-worth and purpose in God and we're created to thrive in community. Okay? It's the opposite. We don't, we don't, we're not in the illusion that I've got it all. I can make it all. We need help. We say, I, can, I need to find my self-worth and my purpose in God and I'm created to thrive in community. So the best place for me to do life well is with other people. The other thing that I love is spiritual belonging is the pleasure and the joy of thinking more about others. So this is where we're going. It's the joy of thinking more about others. Because if we just think about being more than others, it's exhausting. But if we choose to shift the way that we think and think more about others, there's incredible joy there. And there's life, not just for you, but for the community. So I just want to look really quick. I'm going to jump a little passage in Romans. But I love when I read the Apostle Paul's writings. He's so descriptive about what a great community of belonging is. And Romans 12, 9, we're going to read uh, some of this. Uh, 9 to 21, I'll read it pretty quick. He says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That's a good start. Hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what's good, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And so our interest as a church is to increasingly be descriptive about what kind of community, what kind of place 
is a place of authentic and genuine belonging. And so I love what Paul's written here. I've summarized some of these thoughts, not all of them, uh, in my own words. And uh, here you go. First one, we don't do fake love. Nobody likes a fake. And you can tell, maybe not always the first time, but you can tell very soon if someone really cares about you or if they're putting on a show. Okay, this is creating a space of love, uh, space to belong. We don't do fake love. We're devoted to each other. What does that mean? We have a passionate commitment. Do we have passion or commitment? Both. We have a passionate commitment. We maintain spiritual energy. We're not lazy. We don't, you know, do the, do the short dash and then go, oh, no, I've done my bit with like actually trying to get along with people and love people. And now I'm just going to like chill and just kind of pull, up, pull aside a seat. We're not lazy. We maintain spiritual energy. Next one. We don't live our lives like it's all about us. We put others first. We are humble. Think about this. And I want you to think not just as words, but what if you were actually part of an environment and a group of people, which is where we're going, that puts others first, genuinely. So Ethan, I put you first, all right? I'm thinking about you and you're thinking about me and you're thinking about others. So there's a trust there that sometimes we're like, oh, if I think about others, who will think about me? In a healthy community, we're all thinking about each other. Next slide, we get better at hospitality. You know what, extending the family table is everyone's responsibility. I love this one from, uh, from Paul. We don't choose our relationships based on money or status. This is about actually seeing the person and valuing the person. Okay, as we grow, we're going to have all we do and we're going to continue to have all different people of all different types. And our car, in our car park, it will be eclectic. There will be some nicer cars and there will be some older cars, all right? That's not an issue. We're not going to all say, okay, our official car is a white Toyota Camry. Let's get a fleet of white. That's like a form of communism, all right? So that's not our plan, all right? It's not about being the same as everyone else. It's about learning to see somebody else and learning to value them for who they are. I think it's a powerful thing. We love sharing what we have. I'll put in there, we're addicted to generosity. Once you realize how fun as well it is and good it is to give and to live in generous generosity, uh, you will get addicted to it. Okay. We have patience in tough times. We carry joy before things change. We celebrate and cry with people. If you don't really love a person, if you're only thinking about yourself, you can't celebrate when someone else is happy because you're thinking, what about me? Why can't I get my turn? Maybe I'll be happy when, when, I, when I get a go. But when you truly care about the other person, you can celebrate with them wholeheartedly because your heart is for them. And you can cry with them when things don't go right. It's about being truly present. The last one. We have peace as our plan A. We bless people to, who oppose us and we overcome evil with good. This is hard. 
Who loves to just kind of like get back at someone? Okay, maybe not publicly, just secretly. All right, I see some smiles. I've taken a note of every face that smiled, okay? That's not funny. Okay, that's not funny. That's true. And so this is, it's countercultural, but this is the way of Jesus, right? So we are blessing, we're, some of the way that we put it, we're moving in the opposite spirit. So if someone is unkind to us, we're kind to them. Okay, sounds easy to say, sometimes harder to do. But that is what builds a great atmosphere and a great place of belonging. So I think this is good. Like, I I would struggle to argue with any of those things that I've read from the Bible or, or my summaries. I think everybody wants to do that. And that's, that's where we're going as a church. But there is a problem. And that problem is you and me. Okay, some of these things, they're easy to say, but hard to do. And here's a question. Maybe we aren't as qualified to think about ourselves as clearly, and others, as clearly as we should. This is exactly what Paul's saying. He's saying, he's saying this. What does he say? The next one, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. But what is the source of the, the, the honesty and evaluation? Measuring yourself by the faith that God has given us. So he's saying within yourself and your own way of thinking, my own way of thinking, I don't have the capacity to love you or actually to receive love myself in the way that I should. And Paul's saying, actually, you need to have faith to see yourself the way that God has sees you and also to see what God has given you. Uh, another word we use for that is grace. So what, how does God want me to see myself and how does God want me to see what he's given me? This is a, a big part. And can I be cool with that? Or do I always want something that I don't have? This is what Paul's saying. You're not the best person within your own way of thinking. But he says God has given you faith and he's given you grace. He's given you gifts to actually see yourself differently. And here's where it starts. It starts with you recognizing that you belong to Jesus. Like if you want to, it's a choice, right? But you have the option of accepting that deep belonging to say, hey, Jesus, you love me no matter what. Okay, what about this that I did? Jesus, like, I love you. What about this that I didn't do when I missed it? Okay, Jesus says, I love you. And that's by faith and by grace, because we got to take a leap of faith to, to receive what he's done. And then when you belong to Jesus, you realize that he's given stuff, all kinds of different things for you, for all kinds of different purposes. He's given you spiritual gifts, He's given you a life, not just to live for yourself, but to live others. And then we need that ability to see yourself as God sees you. And this is called faith and to see his plans for you and to step into that and to be okay that there are gaps like, okay, I messed up here. So what fills the gap? It's the grace of Jesus. That's what allows us to come on and to keep moving so 
This is what we're doing as a church. We are heading this direction. We are creating spaces where people can belong. Our atmosphere is going to be actually very different from a lot of other places in the world because we've got all kinds of different people, all kinds of different ages from different countries, uh, different experiences, different jobs. We're not looking for uniforms. We're not looking for a fleet of white Camrys, hybrid Camrys, okay, good for the environment. That was a great choice. No, we're not looking for that. We're okay for people to come as they are and then we recognize that we grow together and we thrive together and we have that great sense of belonging like Gwendy said so brilliantly. In family, it's not that we're all the same, it's that we're all different and we have a genuine love for each other which is a bond that keeps us together. And so personally, I'm so excited about that but here's the thing, we can't do it on our own. We need God's help. And we've got to accept that you belong and you're good enough for Jesus. Okay, not because of yourself, because he says so. And he's given you a whole bunch of stuff and he wants you to be happy with it. And he wants you to start using it and not be always comparing yourself to other people. He wants you to get off that treadmill because it's going nowhere. It's just exhausting you. And so I'd love just to take a minute and uh, once you uh, bow your heads and close your eyes and I want to give some uh, people opportunity just to respond so that I can pray with you in this time. So what about you today? Are you ready to accept that you belong? And for some of you, as I've been talking about comparison and about being exhausted by comparing yourself and never measuring up. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, we, we thank you for those that don't feel like they belong because they've excluded themselves because they're comparing themselves with others. Lord, I pray a great sense. Lord, this place, this atmosphere, we want it to be unique. We want it to be an oasis where people can come as they are. They don't have to put on a mask or a pretense, but they can just enjoy the time that we have with you. Lord, I, I pray for those who haven't accepted the idea that they can belong to you, your spiritual family, through Jesus. And if there's anyone here, I want to pray for you that you would have a deep sense of belonging, that you are good enough for God, not by your own strength or your own power, but by the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for those that haven't quite accepted that you love them no matter what. We pray that they would get that real and deep sense. Lord, it's beyond their failings, their mistakes. It's your goodness. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, joining us today. As I said, and Gwendy said, we're a church under construction. And so we've got a whole bunch more things that we're working on. But uh, thank you for being a part of that. Our, I want to thank our team continuing to grow in the future. We're going to have more instruments, more singers. 
and uh, that's going to be great. So thank you for being here. Hang around. We've got some uh, food and some beverages, some snacks. Love to uh, catch up with you. God bless. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.